You can kick your fancy ales, you can take them by the flagon, but the only food for the brave and true comes from the green dragon. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Green Dragon Podcast. I'm your host, Matt, and I'm here today with Jeremy. Hello. And special guest, Kylie. Hi. So, we're going to be talking about how to write lists today and really give a good idea of what our thoughts are going into it and how we progress through the list building process. Are you excited about this, Matt? I'm very excited about this. I love writing lists. You don't look excited. I know that you don't like writing lists very much, Jeremy, so you might struggle a bit on this one. Yeah, um... Yeah, there's a reason I'm not hosting this episode, but I'll be okay. I can I can hold my own. It, sometimes we don't always have to do things that we are passionate about, but we can do our best in it. So I'm going to do my best. It's always a lot of fun just trying to give it a go anyway. I it's think. not. It's not. Really. It really is, though. Come on. Well, it's the only thing you can really do without having an opponent. That's so exactly right. I wrote lists for it. the first 10 years of my gaming career. Paint. Paint. Why not paint? <laughs> okay, so we're going to move on to our first part, and that's... The methods you use to build your list and how you work through it in your mind or how you work through it on paper. So I think the first thing that you need to figure out is probably your own play style. What do you think, Kylie? I think that's very important. What play style you want to play? Do you want to play something that's fast? Do you want to play something that's really strong, really tough? I mean, every army has different sorts of play styles, so that also helps there. I actually consider the opposite. I, when I do make an army list, I think about what I want to take as a theme and, and what I want to use as the models, usually the models I've been painting, and then I'll design the list around that and, and suit their play style. So my play style will change to adapt to that. So if I want to play Rohan, I'm going to become a fast cav player. And if I want to play Gondor, I'm going to become a heavy infantry player, and that changes depending on the list. So some people are very flexible like that, so they can really just run whatever they want. Isn't that right, Jeremy? Absolutely, they can, especially their collections as expansive as mine. However, not all of us are so lucky. So some of us do have our own very specific play styles that we like to use. Personally, I love a lot of cav and specifically archery-based cavalry. So that's a pretty large factor when I start writing my lists. I don't really think I have a play style at the moment. I've sort of just been playing a lot of scenarios and some random points matches. So I'm sort of picking things up as I go and sort of, yeah, just making up ideas that come to mind. I used to play a lot of board games, so this is sort of lending a bit to this at the moment. So there you go. Jeremy and Kylie are great at everything, and I'm terrible. So, (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Well, when you put it that way. All right. So I think the next thing you probably look at is which faction you would like to use, and part of that might be a play style, and a lot of that is going to be on what you want to paint and the theme you want to use. So what factions do you think are your favorite ones, Jeremy? Oh, that's a tricky one. I really like the ones that have a weakness. I'm really interested in, in limited choice factions. So I like things like the Shire, like Numenor, like uh, Lake Town. The ones where I have to compensate for an inbuilt weakness in the force. I don't tend to gravitate towards things like Gondor or uh, Mordor a lot because they are so big and they cover themselves. They've got everything, all bases covered in those lists. So I much prefer to do an Eastern Realms or a... a Maybe a, a ha- well, no, no, Harrods are the expansive list. Even, even a Wanderers in the Wild or, or something a bit abstract. But I prefer to have some limitations to my list and design the list around that. Very good. I myself tend to pick a faction that I really just want to do at, at a certain point of time. The so, most powerful one, right? 
Yeah, always the most powerful I thought one, so. of course. Yep. So recently I started uh, painting some Gondor, and I thought I'd really get into that. And due to my glacial painting speed, which we've already covered, I don't know if I'm going to be continuing that. We will see. We'll see if I can get it done for the next tournament. How many axes did you convert on your Gondor troops? Zero. That's why you didn't complete the army. It That's wasn't powerful it. enough for you. I, I just didn't have enough power in there. Not power. He has an Avenger bolt thrower in that army. Oh, no, you've given it away. What am I going to do? Everyone knows for the next tournament. I think we're going to have to uh, update the release schedule then. We're going to have to put this one after everything else. I've got quite a large backlog, so I tend to just pick a particular faction and just go from there. But yeah, that's uh, that's how I go for my factions. Not necessarily my playstyle. It might be something I think I won't even do that well with, but I just want to give a go anyway. We should do a specific example of this later on in the episode maybe because I play pretty much every faction and I, I do choose whatever's on the painting table and go for that. And I think that's probably going to be a good demonstration rather than just say... Like, I know that you play a lot of Rohan, and, and that's that's probably one of your favorites, and a lot of like have. But we could probably you could probably get you guys to give me a random topic and, and see what we do, because I'm pretty confident in making a list for any faction, and that might be helpful for this, because we, we're going to talk in very generic terms throughout, I believe. Yeah, I think we should definitely try that out. Yeah, and I've got just the army list and hero in mind. Perfect. Excellent. Speaking of that, the next thing you might do once you've picked a faction is work out which heroes you want to use. Yep, I always go, I look for a scene in the books or the movies and base around that. So I'll pick the heroes, the named ones that are in there. I'll see what points I've got left. So if it's a large points, I can fit them all in. If it's a 500 point game, I probably have to pick one hero that's named and then take the rest of generic ones. So I'm going to use that as my basis. Yeah, I usually go for whatever hero I really want to play or like the look of and want to paint up. So whether that be Galadriel War Aspect, whether that be a Kandish King on Chariot or an Aragorn or a Glorfindel or something like that, that's usually what I'll go for. And then base the army around that character and figure out how I'm going to make this character awesome. So yeah, I like to use heroes which I feel will fill out a weakness maybe in my army and maybe flatten that out or perhaps just increase a strength depending on how I want to use the army. So, Matt, I mean this in the the meanest way possible, but you go for the heroes that you think can add some strength to your list and and really hold your force together and and perform well on the battlefield. Is that correct? That's absolutely right. Yeah, That's actually a pretty common one. Oh, really? So I want to, instead of just bagging you about that, I would like to extend it out to all our listeners for that. And and no, no, that's fine. A lot of people do choose that and choose a powerful hero that they really like the look of. And the nice thing about our game is that there's a lot of them. Every faction's got some named heroes. That's what the story's about. Don't be afraid to take them. Like, I'm going to make fun throughout this, and I'm probably going to design lists that are hero, uh, nameless hero heavy, unnamed hero heavy. But by all means, take the named heroes. I just have a problem when people take a Lindil and Aragorn in the same list. That's my only real issue there. I think we all have a problem with that, don't we? Yeah, it's just not true to the movies. I mean, I got into this game because I love watching the movies and The Hobbit recently has really brought back those feelings again. So, yeah, I'm not sure why you would rest, mess with that like lore and that all that awesome imagery from the books and the movies. Well, I know why. People think the list is going to win them the game, which... Bad news, it's not. You still have to play the game as well. So a good list will help, but it won't win you the game. That's right. And, you know, you can take the heroes that everyone seems to think is strong and that you think are particularly powerful, but at the end of the day, there's probably going to be something that is going to work perfectly for your list that you may not have thought about. So look at across every single hero in the faction that you've chosen. Take them all in. Okay, so I think our next section is our configuration of our warbands. 
and how we like to fit them out, perhaps to fill a specific role or just to work together with other warbands, depending on how you like to write your armies. So Jeremy, what do you think about your warband configurations? I change this depending on the list. I've gone for, usually when I don't have any idea, I'll go for the basic sort of split them up and, and put my bowmen through all the warbands, put my spearmen through all the warbands, and have the, each warband as its own little army as such, a little unit, because there are times and scenarios where that warband's going to take on the rest of the force. There are other times where I will move, say, the bowmen more heavily into other warbands, and I'll have some more maybe defensive warbands that I know I'm going to deploy up the front, especially with aggressive heroes. So it depends on the army, and it depends what kind of heroes I'm using. If I have a monster-heavy army, I'm almost always going to deploy those monsters right up the front. I'm not avoiding combat. I want to get in combat. So I'll put something that's not going to get in the monster's way that's going to run into combat as well. So probably a, a warband full of shields and monsters would be my first first drop there. And someone that can move them very quickly. So a hero with some points of might that can march them forward if I need to. But it depends. And this is one that we, we debate quite a lot, I think. Yeah, for And sure. I don't think there's a really solid answer. I think it depends on the list. depends on how you play. But in general, probably mix it up. It gives you the most flexibility. If you've got a really specific plan, tailor your warbands. But watch out because that can be a trap. Because if you've tailored your warbands and they get split up in one of those scenarios where you come on randomly, it can throw your battle right off. I'm a big fan of uh, the Rohan in particularly like the big charge at you know, Minas Tirith with, um, you know, Thaden, Aemir and Eowyn charging down there. And one thing I found when I was playing my Rohan is too many cavalry in the one group tends to get in each other's way. So I generally deliberately don't max out my cavalry warbands because of that. So I only go to about eight models, nine models in the cavalry warband because they just they just take up too much space together. So I guess... You sort of want your infantry with your infantry heroes and your cavalry with your cavalry heroes so that they don't get split up and that they have each other to help each other out. I also found the same thing with my kind as well. If you have too many chariots in one warband, they can't get to where they need to get to. Yeah, that's one of the biggest disadvantages of the chariots is they, they take up so much space that sometimes you can't actually deploy the whole warband. In one of those ones where they... They say come on at a specific point. I think it's is it hold ground or high ground or run to the middle and stay in the middle one. Hold ground. Hold which ground. Is the final one you mentioned. Yeah. There, yes. People often point to a spot where you can't fit your whole warband, which is a little bit nasty. So watch out for those big space warbands. Same thing if you've got like trolls or a dragon in a warband. You might want to make sure you've got some small bases with them or or thin it out a bit, depending on what else you've got in the army. Yeah, I think running say a big monster with a lot of cav could create some problems for sure. Yeah, I, I noticed a similar thing as well with my Khan. I usually had my Kindish King on Chariot because it's such a cool-looking model, and then I realized after a while he kept dying, and I asked myself, why is my awesome King guy dying? And then I realized it's because he's fighting four or five guys with spear supports all at once. I had yeah. a, a game in Minimize one year with against Matt and Josh, and my Kindish King was designed to die so I was playing with Ken on my side, and I told Ken to take the objectives with his elves and just sit on them. And because the game ended when one force is eliminated, my job was to just to eliminate my force and die as soon as possible, and my king would not die. Um, it was Josh and Matt just taking him on every turn, and I was getting frazzled, and I was pretending that I was really worried about him surviving, but I was actually wanting him to die, and he just wouldn't die. It was the one time when my heroes were trapped every turn, and he was not going down. He finally did. It took like nine turns or something ridiculous. Finally died. 
So that can be an advantage sometimes if you want to die, but yeah, I know the Kardish King problem. It was a very good fake out. Josh and I had no idea. You did. You probably probably wised up a bit since then, though. Maybe just a little. You haven't. <laughs> I agree, basically, with the warband configurations. I think I mostly like to run archers spread out. I think that's one that a lot of people talk about. That You can do it either way, really. I like to have, as Kylie said, not too many cavalry in one warband. It's all, it's all pretty simple stuff, really, but then you get into the little details, like if you've taken a particular hero, you might want particular troops backing them up, that sort of thing, that you may not think of firsthand. One thing that I've noticed is the debate between maxing out a warband or not, um, and the, also the single model warbands, where people will, will choose a one model warband, like a Ranger of the North or a, um, a Felwag for the evil side, and they take multiples of these just so they can get an advantage in deployment. And essentially what they want to do is know where the enemy is. So The, I, the fatty bulger tactic. The fatty bulger tactic, yes, absolutely. I just want to mention my thoughts on this and then I'll get pass it on back because I'm taking over Matt's role a little That's bit. Quite all right. But I don't know that this is as valuable as people think it is. Most of the time you know exactly where your opponent's going to be. You look at the terrain on the board and you can pretty much guess where it's going to happen. Most of the time... Like, if I'm playing a combat army, especially an evil army, I know exactly where I'm deploying every single game, and it's right in the middle of the board where I can reach every part of the board really quickly. I'm setting up in a little box, probably, because I'm going to march or uh, just charge straight out, so I'm not so worried about that. If I'm playing an avoidance list, I'm just setting up away from the army enemy as far as I can anyway, and that's usually dictated by the terrain. So I don't know that I would lose my army composition and set up to do this too much because I've seen people do it and they take 10 separate Falwags and then do nothing with it and just end up with... They set up their force exactly where you know it's going to be from the start of deployment. You play against them and I can predict their troll is going right in the centre and it goes in the centre and they're not fooling anyone and then they've got 10 Falwags just taking up space and being annoying. So my thought on that is maybe one or two warband drop bonus but I wouldn't design your armor list just to get the warband advantage because I don't think it's all it's cracked up to be. I agree. I think a couple can be handy, but if you're taking that many, you've gone gone overboard most likely. It's almost like poking, like tipping your hand and telling your opponent, I've got more warband drops than you. I'm going to know where you're going to be. I know exactly that you're going to be out deploying me, so I'm going to def- deploy defensively as, I, mm-hmm. as physically possible. It's almost like reading your opponent and going, Oh, you want to see where I am? I'm going to go right here in the middle as defensive as possible, just like Jeremy said. Yeah, it can work against you where the opponent goes and, well, like if I'm the person who sees that they've got 13 warband drops, I'm keeping my army together no matter what. So I'm looking at deploying about 12 inches away because then if I get the, the close deployment or the far deployment, it doesn't matter. I'm setting up there and I know exactly where I'm going to be. So it's almost irrelevant, the drops, and they've they forced me into not making a mistake there. Whereas if they had, say, one more warband drop than me, I might decide to be aggressive and take on two warbands and it might throw me out of position. But if I know that they've got 13 warband drops and I'm not going to see their army till afterwards, I'm going to set up my coherent force and just start from scratch there. And that I did that a bit in the, the Masters tournament and it really helped me out. And I'll probably talk about my Numenor list a bit later because that was designed to be able to set up for that formation. And I loved it when people had more warband drops than me because it means that I could just set up my formation and not worry about their army at all. So I think sometimes uh, we talk a lot about things like spear to, spear to shield ratios. Do you get that a lot? I don't talk about that a lot, but go on. I, I feel like it's... Sorry? What are spears? 
What are spears? I mostly play Rohan and Khan. <laughs> what are spears? I've had a lot of people... <laughs> things that you throw at your enemy. <laughs> I've had a lot of people ask me lately, should I just go one-to-one? Should I just take five shields, five spears, or six shields, six spears, whatever the case may be, and just set up in a block? Or should I take more shields? Should I take more spears? How should I go about this? And I think the thing you need to realize is it just depends on your army. It just depends on what the rest of your army is going to be doing as well. So, for instance, I took a dragon recently, and I had Easterlings, and I didn't take that many pikes. I think I had less than one shield to one pike slash shield. And it was mostly because I knew I would just be supporting the heroes, and I was shielding a lot with the rest of my army. And that's the sort of thing you need to think about when you think about how many spears or pikes or whatever the case may be, how many of those you've got in your army compared to how much of your front line there is. Usually the ideal formation to attack the opponent is surrounding them. Yeah. So spears don't actually help you with that too much because pretty much the spearmen will get in combat and they often have lower defense. So if you've got an army that can actually encircle your opponent, you probably don't need a lot of spears. You might need a couple just to spear support key combats, but you don't need a lot. Whereas if you're playing an army that you don't want to trap, you want to play very defensively and play a slow game, like you just mentioned the Eastlings will play a slow game mm. because the troops aren't trying to kill. My Numenor played a slow game because the heroes were trying to do everything, uh, you probably end up taking a bit more spears or a defensive formation. Shields will do pretty much the same thing. It's about getting more attacks in a single spot. So it does depend on the list. You don't need spears to win. They can be very, very helpful. In general, if your troops are lower quality and you're relying on your heroes, you definitely want some spears. But it does depend on the list. And, and hopefully maybe later on with that random list, we can give an example of that. We'll see how we go. I don't know what faction will be. But it's it's play with it and see what you do. You'll soon play the game. You'll say, all my spears are dying. I need more spears. Or I've reached combat and I've got no shields left and I've only got spears. If that's the case, take more shields. So play the game with them and see what happens. And a lot about it is knowing where your damage is coming from as well. So if you need more spears to actually do the damage, that's what you might need. But Yeah, yeah that's what I found with um, my Khand as well is sometimes armies don't have spears and taking banners is really important. Because that's one thing that was pointed out is whenever I say for the, I don't know, an orc spear wall or your um, Gondor spear wall, I couldn't fight it straight up like with my Khan because I just get overwhelmed. So, yeah, for playing that wide, you know, encircling tactic with your banners and stuff and getting them in the right spots is very, very important. Yep, so I think we'll move on to the aim that we're going for when we create lists and what our ultimate design is for these lists. So, Kylie, maybe talk about a specific list and something that you may uh, have aimed towards what, what to do with it, how it's going to win games. Yeah, well, I've got... Obviously, I said I love Rohan and Khan, so I'm going to go with um, my Rohan list that I was actually thinking about taking to um, Silmarilli once it was pointed out to me. So I've got Earl the Young, uh, six sons of Earl, uh, a captain on horse with uh, the throwing spears, shield, and heavy armor. And he's got five royal guard with throwing spears and one royal guard with a banner, all mounted on horse, of course. Um, I have another captain with a bow on horse and nine riders of Rohan. And to top it all off, I've got a uh, king's huntsman. So the whole idea is avoid combat, don't go in until... I've done enough damage, and then ride in with the glorious charge with Earl. So sit back, do a lot of shooting, try and pick off a hero or two with the um, shooting from the my heroes, because I've got two throwing spears and two bowmen heroes, so 
get some damage down and, and then go in once you've got a lead. Great example and one of my favourite strategies as well. So yeah, Jeremy, anything off the top of your head? Could you please repeat the question? A particular aim that you might have for one of your armies and how it's actually going to win the games that you're using. So you've written your specific list. How are you going to win a game with that list? First thing I do is design a list that I'm proud of for the table. So the most important thing for me is to put down an army that, that people walking by will look at and go, wow, that's an impressive army and I can see what he's doing with that. So the theme is the primary aim there. Luckily, I've played enough scenarios that I can pretty much have a good go with most forces. So once I've designed the list, I'll make sure I can cover all my bases. So I've got to have some way to move fast. Now, that might be cavalry. It might be heroic uh, marches. It might be just a pure intimidation from the bowfire factor. But I like to be able to maneuver. I need something that can perhaps take a charge and hold up for a little while. So maybe some shields, maybe some heroes. In general, I'll take probably two types of armies. One is the avoid combat and win through other means. So win through maneuver, picking my combat, shooting, the heroes doing more than their share of work. And the other one is just the mob them. Throw everything into combat at the same time and hope to overwhelm, hope to trap. Uh, and that depends on the force I've got. If I've got something like dwarves, I'll just go the mob because they can hold up in combat one-on-one -on -one really well. If I've got like Men of Dale, I'll be relying almost entirely on my heroes because the Dale guys are rubbish in combat. So it'll be about maneuvering so I avoid it. So most of the time I'll I have enough tools to do that. I need some might because might can do anything now. Might can help you move. Might can help you move where you want to be. Might can help you kill heroes and kill monsters. So having enough might is important. If you don't have might, you probably need something else that can help you there. Probably monsters can do the job of might. A lot of the times they can do that. Magic I found particularly annoying. Yeah, Ringwraiths or Gandalf or Radagast, some of like that can help you out. So you've got to have something to deal that. I always do a quick checklist. I say, can I kill a monster? And the answer is usually yes if I've got something that's got some might, something that's got some magic, something that's got some piercing or any combination of those. Can I kill some cavalry? Uh, so usually something with some knockdown or a throw is really good. If not, how am I going to do it? I'm going to run in their face and engage them. So I'll need some might to do that. So I need something against cavalry. Against mass infantry, what am I going to do? Am I going to outmaneuver or am I going to attack them head on? So I need to decide that. But most of the time, you're pretty much hamstrung by the list you're choosing anyway. So getting on the battlefield, you can do most things. The nice thing about the game is everything can do everything if you want it to. You can really set it up. So even basic troops can take down a monster or a hero if you're clever enough about it, but you might just need a lot of the troops. So yeah, really great examples of how you can stop certain things your opponent might take with whatever you happen to have. Might in particular, yeah. So just to give another specific example, we've talked about Rohan, so a lot of mounted models and, and shooting, and the way you'd run that list, and we've talked about the more flexible list and, and the different ways that you can go through that and... and and take out your opponent's weaknesses with whatever you happen to have. Uh, a different list to those might be something like dwarves or something that's very slow but steady. Uh, any kind of shield wall armies even. Just when you've got the really basic stuff but you haven't got a lot more than that. A lot of it is about playing defensively and then taking the advantage with your might when you get the chance. So you might it might be taking out a hero. It might be doing a very crucial heroic combat. In fact, we'll probably get onto the game that Kylie and I played yesterday and a couple of heroic combats that both did and didn't work that swung the game. 
Well, you should do that soon because I want to talk about army lists. No, I actually don't want to talk about army lists, but the topic <laughs> is army lists. And we're going to talk about army lists. We anyway. should we should probably talk about some actual army lists at some point. Like we're going very generic. Okay. Yeah. So let's get back to building lists. Uh, the last point that we wanted to get onto when you're building your actual list, the very last thing you should think about is bonus points for whatever tournament you might be going to. So say the tournament will definitely require you to have a banner because there will be a lot of bonus points for banners. Take a banner. It's not rocket science. Some of the tournaments I've been to have asked for extra points for killing heroes. So if you go and kill a hero, you might get a bonus point on top of what you get. So always make sure they've got something that can kill a hero. So whether it's a magic whether it's another hero on a horse with a lance or whatever, something that can kill a hero relatively easily, and then always go for that point, even if I'm losing the game. So it's worth reading the player's pack and seeing what you need. Banners are very common for us. Heroes are very common. Anything else? Nothing comes to mind. I had one tournament. It was a team tournament that Patrick Murphy ran where you had you got a point for killing more models than you started with, I think it was, or something like that, or more models than you took as casualties. And I took Tharendal's Halls and managed to get that pretty much every game because I had the avoid combat at all cost list, shoot, 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 and really take no casualties at all. And I think I was one of the few players who got that bonus point most of the time because I was able to do way more casualties than I took. At the very same tournament, there was a bonus point for not using any fate points on any of your heroes in a particular game. And while everyone struggled over whether to use their faint points or not, I simply took no faint points and got that point every time, regardless of what happened to my heroes. Was that in the same tournament? Very same tournament. Really? Yep. What heroes was that? I think I had... Oh, no, it must have been a different tournament. Had to be a different tournament. It was the next war zone. Yep. Yeah, that's what it was. I thought so, because there was one as well that I couldn't get, which was use every special rule in your army. And I never used bodyguard because I was never taking courage tests because I was never in a position where I had to do that. So I often didn't use the bodyguard, and I think there was one of the Tharendal rules I didn't use, but I can't remember which one it was. Mm. I could be wrong there, but there's definitely one of the rules that I had trouble using. So that's the last thing you probably need to put into your mind when you're considering building your list. So we're going to talk about Jeremy and Kylie's pre-written lists that they've got here and their thoughts going into them. We're going to start with Jeremy, I think. Absolutely. I've got a 400-point list, which is a very small amount. We do run some low-point tournaments. What's minimized this year? I think it is 400. 400. Okay, so this could be a minimized list. But I do like this points level because you have to make some serious choices, and that's what I've done here. I've got one of my favorites, the Azogs Hunters. Great models, great force, lots of heroes to choose from. Now, at 400 points, I could have put all my eggs in one basket and went for Azog or Bolg, but I don't think that that's going to work particularly well. So I've gone for... A quite a good mid-level hero as my leader, Fimble on Falwag. I almost always will take the mount if I can for a hero because it gives them so much flexibility. It gives them maneuver, it gives them hitting power, it gives them everything. So Fimble's got a Falwag. With him, I've got some Wag Riders. So five in total on Falwag. Two of them have a bow. The, uh, the Azox Hunters list gets a special rule where you can have up to 50% bow. So I like to take advantage of that where possible and make sure I include bows. Now, I don't know if I have in this list entirely. I think I've only got a third bow or maybe less. But taking bows is really important. I don't plan to use those bows. I flat out don't plan to use them. I'm taking them anyway. Uh, the reason I'm taking this is because there might be one game where I take on an Aragorn the King and I just have to get him on a horse first before he gets into combat. I just need to. So that's pretty much the only reason I have bows is insurance against mounted heroes. I'm probably not going to use them, but I'm not too worried about that. It's only a couple points in my list. Not a worry i got 500 Orcs of nothing. They're great already. I get to choose what weapons I have on the models. So 
Mostly I've just gone for the, the blades for the fainting. I could convert some with piercing. I might consider that, but I actually think the defense four is reasonably reliable. So they've got good hitting power already with strength four. I like the fainting because their fight though is already pretty low. Then I've got one hunter orc with two-handed weapon and then one hunter orc with bow. So I'm trying to maximize every point I can. I used up exactly 400 points. That's a full warband of 12. So I've got five cav and then seven models on foot. Then my second warband is Nazug, who's the archer hero. Once again, I don't really plan to use his bow, but it is great if I need to take down one priority target. I can probably do that. He's got might. If I need to kill one thing in the game, I will. He's on Falwag because I've got the extra maneuver and extra hitting power. He's got the same amount of Falwags and exactly the same warband composition. So he's got the seven orcs again, the one on foot with bow, one on foot with two-handed weapon, five hunter orcs, and then the five wag riders. I've really designed this around the wag riders. The nice thing about this list is they've got the fell sight. So they can charge without being seen. So the way I play this list most of the time is pick my combats. I can outduel almost anything one-on-one, but I prefer to be two-on-one or three-on-one if possible. So I'll use the foul sight to hide, 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 get the opponent to come towards me, then hit them with all the wags in the world, and then maybe use my might to run away. So treat them as a little bit of a light cavalry army, and then at some point I'm going to commit all my hunter orcs. So just throw them all in. They die really quickly, but they have the amount of hitting power that they will break even at the very least. So maneuver, get an advantage, and then at some point in the game, just run all in. Use my hero's fimble with his fight five and Nazog with the bow to get some advantages there. If I'm coming up against a big hero, I'll try and shoot them. If I'm coming up against something I can't kill in combat, I'll probably send Fimble in with a strike or something else. But I think it's a good all-round list. The problem with this list is no banner. So I've got two attacks on every model, basically but I don't have the banner reroll. So I'm not as good as combat as it seems initially. So I want to be picking my fights and throwing a lot more dice than my opponent. But yeah, in that list, you don't really have the space for a banner anyway because you've only got 400 points to play with. I think I worked out I had to knock three Hunter Orcs off their WAG for a banner. And at that point, it didn't play the way I want it to be as the speed maneuver army because instead of essentially 12 cavalry models, I'd have seven or no, whatever it is, nine of them. It just didn't work out quite as well. So I've gone for the real cavalry-heavy army. I didn't take any Falwags on their own. They're good, but they're a luxury that I didn't really need. And considering they cost the same point as a Hunter Orc, I'd rather the two attack Hunter Orc and let the the Wag Riders take care of the job that the Wags will do. So if they want to objective hunt, they can do that. I can dismount if I want to, if I want to be brave and and have it got the courage test it's not very reliable but it can work for objective hunting did you have a warhorn in there no warhorn at this point level the warhorn's an absolute luxury that i i probably can't afford i'm not so worried about courage tests because either i'm charging the enemy and and we would make do and i'll try and win that if they're a terror army i'm going to use the small amount of bows i can to try and bait them in so i'll avoid combat avoid combat and make sure they charge me. And once that happens, I'll do things like use my wags to trap them without charging. So at some point, people are going to engage me. The terror armies usually don't have a lot of bow fire. So I'll use my small amount of bow fire to take them on. And for break tests, if I break, I'm dead anyway. So courage two to three is good, but it's not going to win me the game. So I didn't take the horn. I would have taken the banner over the horn if I had that extra 20 plus points to spare. Okay, so you've got speed, you've got strength, you've got plenty of might. And you've got two heroes who are no massive loss if you lose either of them. Yeah, my army still functions quite okay, the heroes. I can keep those heroes in reserve. They 
their hitting power is not that much greater than my generic army. So I don't need to commit them if I don't have to. So I'm going to use their might and hold on to it until I really need it. So if a cave troll is coming up my lines, I must get my hero into that cave troll. So I often actually give the cave troll the charge of the hero, and that's all. Like literally only the hero. And then avoid the cave troll at all other costs. So Fimble will be five and a half inches away from the cave troll, and nothing else can engage him. And then I'll put my guys first around to block off. So I'll move guys in so they're in a position to trap without charging. And then I'll leave some spaces and hopefully, with the rest of the army, try to get some extra attacks in. Okay, so very interesting list, Jeremy. Thank you. Uh, Kylie, what do you have for us? Well, I had the um, Rohan list that I spoke right, about yeah. earlier. So I'll go with my um, Khan list that I've also done. So that was a 500-point list. So I had the Khandish King on foot with bow, leading eight warriors um, on foot with... Um, the axes, and then another four with the bows, so a full warband with him. I then have a Kandish chieftain on chariot, leading nine Kandish warriors on foot, and then a Kandish chieftain on horse, with bow leading six um, Kandish riders, or whatever yes. they're called. So that's 12 bows all up, if I remember correctly? Yeah, 12, maybe a bit more. So you've got the king on foot with a bow. Yeah, because what I found, because I had the king on the chariot, what I found was he just kept getting into trouble. So he would go in, he'd charge, he'd win the first combat, kill two or three guys, and then next turn he'd get countercharged by three or four fountain court guard, and then those three or four fountain court guard have spear supports, and then suddenly he takes two wounds, fails his fate roll, and dies, which tends to happen a lot with my kindish heroes on chariot, annoyingly. So, yeah, I put him on foot, and ever since I put him on foot, it seems to be working a lot better because he doesn't get swamped and surrounded by, you know, three or four guys. Now he's fighting usually one-on-ones or two-on-ones at worst. And then, yeah, his banner reroll seems to get into better spots, gets into the army a bit better, and it's not, you know, anchoring around the king. It's more the king gets into the spots where he needs to help. And I still have one of the chariots on the regular guys, and one chariot at 500 points seems to be enough. Yeah, I would consider even dropping one of the horses and putting the king on a horse, and then if you have to, dismount, because then you've got the flexibility to do both. But I do like that thinking, because the chariot can get you in a lot of trouble, so having him as a shooting hero that can support with a banner, and then with a fight five or six? Six. Fight six with fight an elven six blade. six is good, yeah. So in combat, he can hold his own. So actually, yeah, that's good thinking there. Normally, I would just throw him on a chariot, because it looks really cool. But I hadn't really thought about that. I think um, if I ever play in a bigger points level, I probably will put him on a chariot because i got a bit more flexibility there. But at 500 points, it seems to work really nicely with yeah, him just being on foot with the, with, with the um, infantry block because usually he's got a, there's 21 infantry and him leading 21 infantry tends to work a lot because the chariot run usually runs away and is moving 10 inches and shooting everything because that's awesome about chariots. Do you two-hand weapon a lot with your cav- your infantry or only special circumstances? Um, I actually do two-hand weapon a lot, especially if they're in range of the king. If it's a one-on-one and the king's in range, I usually go for the two-hand weapon. But usually what I found is um, I'm going for multiple combats. So the, the three-on-ones or the four-on-ones and two of them will go two-handed piercing, one will strike normally and then get the kill that way. Because, yeah, the two-handed piercing is very, very dangerous if you're in a one-on-one because you tend to die a lot. Yeah. yeah. Three's, three's to wound's nasty. It probably depends on what you're facing as well. Yeah. Like, 
elves would be a bad one. You probably don't want to be facing elves. At the very least, you would be able to have a quick game, I think, because you're either going to yeah. win big or lose big, so that's an advantage there. Mm. I like the um, piercing on the um, Kandish Horseman. I found that was really nice when the um, new rules came in. And, yeah, the piercing on the on the 5-4 cav, so you charge one, pierce, and I was killing Blackguard quite comfortably. Okay, so Kylie and I had a game yesterday, and I'll just quickly go through the list that I took, which was very much more theme-based than it was uh, perhaps practicality-based. Whenever when someone says that their army's more theme-based, you know they've taken the toughest option they possibly can. <laughs> Actually, I think he, his, his is pretty themey. This one this is definitely around. I think this one's pretty themey. Yeah. I quite like it. Okay, so my theme is the Burning of Faramir. So it's got in it Denethor, it's got Baragon, it's got a regular captain on foot with a shield, and it's got Peregrine's Hook as well. So, you know, very theme-based. I like it quite a bit. I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, in the different warbands, I've got Baragond leading five Citadel Guard with bow and a Avenger, an Avenger Bolt Thrower. Yeah, that's theme. a good choice. With, well, we know with, how rubbish Siege Engines are. So. With, with the Swiss Reload, and it's not that rubbish, which we'll get into. It's, I've had one good game with it, which I subsequently lost, and then a terrible game with it, which I then won. So that tells you a lot about Siege Engines. In the other warbands... It says I more have, about you, I think. Oh, you think so? I think it does. Go on. <laughs> In the Captain's Warband, I've got a stock standard warband, so I think it's got five uh, Warriors of Minas Tirith with shields, uh, five or six with shield and spear, and a banner. So... Very simple. Mm, not bad. In Denethor's Warband, it's got four Fountain Court Guard with shields and four Knights of Minas Tirith with shields. Originally, those knights were in Baragon's Warband, but in the first game, I realized what a terrible idea that was. So it was meant to be a bit of a throwaway warband, Denethor and his Fountain Court Guard, but I found having the knights in there, Kylie was absolutely right. It worked much better. And, of course, Peregrine on his own. So that's the list I went up against the Kandish with, and we had two very interesting games. Yeah, very, very interesting games. I think one thing I made the suggestion to Matt, and um, after we read the rules on the siege engines, if one of your siege crew dies, you can't fire at their normal ballistic skill of four or whatever it is. I'm fire- firing and hitting on sixes instead of fours. Yep, so I've made a suggestion that you might want to drop a random Minister of Warrior for an extra crew member because I managed to get a lucky shot off and kill one, and then suddenly the Avenger Bolt throw did nothing. The problem was, I went on to win that game. So now I don't know, I'm psyching myself out. Sometimes this happens with list building. You can have a really good game with something, and then suddenly it just does crap forever on. But you can still improve your list even if you're winning the game. So what you've got is a situation where someone can take advantage of you and and if they really want to, if the Avenger Bolt Thrower... Avenger, I hate that name. If the Bolt Thrower is really <laughs> causing problems, they can even throw a Black Dart or something to kill that crew member and, and make a mess of you. So what does it really hurt? You lose the shield on the extra guy, and yes, it means that your army's... He can't move away from the Siege Engine, but the other opponent's coming towards you. You've got a Bolt Thrower and a bunch of shooty guys. So I, I like that suggestion. I would even go maybe four. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I probably will go up to three... Four is a stretch because I would have to do a conversion, which I probably don't have time to do considering we're not far away from the tournament. I've got a lot of work to do. But yes. Yeah, so yeah, maybe five or six then. <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, it certainly helps having a couple of games beforehand and just test running the army and just figuring out what little things you can change that will actually significantly change how you play. One thing we also found with Matt's list is he has to be very careful with his might points. Um, I was able to spend my might really freely and do a lot of fun little things. Matt really had to be conservative, time his strikes correctly and time his moves and combats correctly because in the first game, he didn't do that. First game was terrible use and of might, yes. I managed to go through, kill Baragond, kill the captain with relative ease, and then in the second game he learned his lesson and um, his combats were on point and I couldn't do anything against them. But that's typical of Matt. Like, I mean this in the nicest way, but you play better when you know a list. So once you've played a few games with them, you become really hard to beat. But early on, you make some very silly mistakes, and if you learn from that, you become a very strong opponent. So it's definitely a good idea. I'd much rather play Matt when he's hasn't experienced an army list because he'll often do something a bit out of out of whack, a bit silly, and then once he realizes, he goes and really attacks. And that's not a list choice. That's a pure game choice. And, and the list itself, some people will look at that and look at the list and go, this list is rubbish, but they've actually just done something silly. So I do like that you keep going with the list and keep trying it and don't make drastic changes straight away. And this is part of why I've really liked playing scenarios a lot lately. I know we're getting a bit, bit off track here, but... It's so- the Green Dragon. Why don't we? <laughs> why not? Scenarios definitely help you out with this part of your game, with experiencing a particular way of playing and then learning from that. So that's what I've taken out of scenarios the most, is that if I do badly with a particular list, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the list's fault. Mm, I agree with that. I mean, I got into Khan because obviously my first love was Rohan. I love the horses. I love the, you know, cavalry aspect. And I got into Khan from playing the Sons of El scenarios. So, yeah, I can definitely appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't we go on to some um, bit more competitive lists? Because Jeremy's waving one at us at the moment. <laughs> um, so what list have you got there, Jeremy? I've got my one of the more powerful lists that I've ever written. This is definitely my pinnacle of list writing ability. It has got everything you could possibly want. It is my Masters Numenor 800 list. Prepare to copy this, guys. Get your pens and papers ready. Write this down. This is an amazing stuff. Okay, I've got... Straight away for the Numenor, I chose my heroes first. So I went for Elendil with everything. He is the hero. He does everything. He is the army. It is all about him. The heroic combat means he can kill so much stuff if he wants to. He can keep moving, which is even, I think, more valuable than the heroic combat killing. And he can be anywhere he wants to be. So he's got the horse and the shield. I've taken a Sildor with horse and shield because now you can use the ring with your horse He's basically, his job is to do the magic support role, really. He's there. If anything that's going to get a Lindel in trouble, a Sildor goes and saves him with the ring and lowers their fight value. He's a good hero on his own. He can kill a lot, but he doesn't have the hitting power of a Lindel with the heroic combats. So he's my ace in the hole there. He's not so reliable because once I put the ring on, he might end up doing something a bit silly with it and jumping into a deep water, but we'll talk about that. Then I have the gems of the list here. The captains of Numenor are amazing. They're fight five base. They're really good solid heroes. I've taken two of them with horse, shield, and lance. I haven't forked out for the extra armor on them because the way I play, I don't think that's necessary. The Numenor army doesn't have heavy armor, so I don't mind if the heroes don't. But the lance is the winner here. The horse and the lance means that they can actually wound most things on a five plus, which is really, really solid. So they're strength four base. So anything up to defense 8, they hit on, normally they'll wound on a 6+, charge with a lance, wounding on a 5+, with 2 points of might, you can do some really reliable wounds, plus their fast, plus their hitting power is really good. So they actually hang around with a Lindel and a Sildor and do a lot of the work, a lot of the killing. 
Then I have four warbands worth of guys. My first two warbands have 12 models in them. They have two-thirds spear shield and one-third shield. So these are with a Lendl and a Sildor, and they get deployed right up the front usually or somewhere in the middle, depending if I'm playing defensively or aggressively. More shield than spears because I want to back up my heroes, and my Numenor troops are oftentimes just staying alive. The nice thing is my shield guys also have spears, so they can defend as well. And I found playing this list early on that my spearmen got targeted a lot, and I would run out of them by combat. So I'll try and get more there. I've got one of them with a banner in Alindor's Warband because you have to have a banner there. I would have loved to have two banners, but I just didn't have the points. Then my Captains of Numenor, which deploy usually on the flank or up to the side, they have two spearmen with shield each and then six bowmen in each. So they are designed so that the bowmen can still get shots if they need to. The spearmen can go and help them out. They can survive on their own. They're not too bad. But what it means is with two warbands of bowmen, they're not getting in the way of my deployment. So I have my normal deployment would be two warbands up the front and then two slightly off to the side to catch anything and to maneuver around. And the, the heroes on horses can move anywhere they want. And usually what happens is the troops fall back and the heroes fall forward. So I found that people have a hard time engaging three or four heroes all on horse because I can either pull away and disappear. I can go and attack and kill literally anything in the game with those four heroes. And there's a lot of choice going there. They have so much flexibility. Some of the scenarios, my heroes all left the troops, just abandoned them and went and got the mission, got the objectives. And my troops stayed back and just defended and played a really solid defensive game with the banner and the shields. So that's probably my best list there. And I'm really happy with the warband composition with two-thirds spearmen in the two main combat lists and then the, the main bowmen list there, which is unusual for me. I normally go like one-third, one-third, one-third. So just to channel the... Australian Lord of the Rings community. What a rubbish list. How did you do well with it? I played the game. There you go. I hope everyone is going to uh, listen to that one over and over because that was a lot of good stuff in there. I hope they don't. I hope they <laughs> totally ignore that and I hope they think that I'm a crazy scenario player. You said you took this to Masters. Where did you come? Uh, second. Oh, it's not quite first though, is it? No, I got beaten by Mr. Thomas Datto, a very solid player by... A couple points, I think it was, and he did thrash me in the first round. We had this scenario where it was Challenge of the Champions. He had a Kandish hero. So he had a Kand hero on horse, and I had Elindal, the High King of Numenor, and it was basically who could kill the most guys of their heroes. And Elindal let me down a bit and couldn't manage to do that. I think it ended up being four kills to the Harried hero and three kills to Elindal or something ridiculous like that. Uh, it just didn't work for me that game, but everything else worked pretty well. And the list was really solid. I was getting points in every scenario apart from that one. So it really helped me out. It was very flexible. I had maneuverability in my heroes. I had good shooting power with my 12 bowmen, so I could take a shooting battle. I think I outshot a few forces, and some of them were pretty shooty forces, to be honest. I used my range. I maneuvered in and out of their, their combat range. And my heroes were able to kill things like Mortal Trolls, the Chieftain versions. They were able to kill uh, Mumak. They'll be able to... I don't think I... Yeah, I killed the Mumak. So... I did a lot of things with them. My favorite moment, though, was when a Sildor was coming to take an objective around the back on my Palar gear board. There was some deep water there. He went to hold the objective at the end of the game. He had the ring on so that he wouldn't get charged or wouldn't get shot or something. Some reason he did that. Fouled his ring chest, jumped in the water and drowned. Because <laughs> that's just what a Sildor of the ring does. So he abandoned ship. I still managed to win that game because I had a captain back him up. But a Sildor just went crazy with a ring and jumped in the deep water. That was an amazing moment. I really liked that just for the theme. Yeah, perfect ending right there. So that's a really good example of how what some people might think is a 
not great list. A lot of who? People who? Name that. them. I have all of the people. Just some people. Just every. What every are you a newsreader? All of those people. Those I quite people. like Numenor. I'm gonna put that out there. I like Numenor. Yeah, so do I. I really like the yeah. list. Like the four characters on horse just just looks really solid. Like you can do anything you want with that list. You have some speed. You have some offense. You have good defensive. You've got some decent shooting. It's just, I really like it. Yep, but all of the people don't. So. Oh, those, those people. people. If those you're people. one of those people, I dislike your opinion slightly. <laughs> okay, so those are some lists that we've used in the past. Now let's look at what lists we can write in the present. Jeremy, are you ready? I am. Yes, I am ready now. Right. Kylie, take it away. All right. So we're going to go with the tournament that's coming up. So 650 points. For what tournament is this? Silmarilli. Silmarilli. Yeah. Okay, that's in Melbourne, so come along to it if you... I heard there's going to be some nice terrain. Josh is a good tournament organizer. Yeah. He gave me some of my calm too, so. Oh, that's very nice. Suck up. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go with a Mordor list. Okay. Let me click on Mordor. I'm using the Excel spreadsheet made by the Lonely Knight. It's a really amazing tool for this. So if you don't use Excel spreadsheets, what are you doing? You're crazy. Yeah. When Jeremy showed me this, I was like, what? And then I've been using it ever since. And you can literally write a list in two minutes once you've learned how to use the program. So we're going to get 650 lists, and we're giving you a hero that you have to take. Because you, know, you want to. Because you want to, and because, you know, no thine enemy mustering an army type stuff. So anyway. Okay, go for it. What's the hero? The hero is Gothmog. Gothmog. Any restriction on how I take him? Nope. Just Gothmog. Okay. Well, I'm taking Gothmog. Because I like Popcorn Face. <laughs> popcorn Face, yeah. He's popcorn Face. Have you not seen him in the movie? He's okay. Cool. So first thing I'm going to do is click on the box for Gothmog and I've straight away gone for the options of the Wark and the Shield because why wouldn't I? He is massive points. He's come up on the spreadsheet as being 150 points worth. So he's going to be quite a high percentage of my army. So I need to design it around him. Now he gets to do lots of nice tricks with maneuver. So I'm going to base this list around probably one that, that's not entirely unused. I'm going to put some monsters with him. Because he's going to have some bodyguard and go in there. So there's a few monsters to choose from. There's the Golgroth Beast, which is a nice choice. There's the uh, the the Troll Chieftains. I'm going to go for a Troll Chieftain. I'm going to do a Moran and Orc themed list. So I'm going to go for a Mortal Troll Chieftain as my second hero. So I'm going massive heroes here. So big, big hitters. Now already I'm up to 290 points. So I need to get some troops there. So let's bulk these warbands out straight away with some Moran and Orcs. Moran and Orcs, I'm not so worried about the spear option, to be honest, because they are pretty good on their own. So I'm going to go probably, I'm definitely going to take a banner. So let's give the banner a spear and a shield. So let's put him with Gothmog just to give some extra fighting power. And then let's go for probably more shieldmen than spearmen at the moment. So I'm going to go for maybe eight shieldmen and four spearmen in each of the warbands, just as a base number, and maybe to save a few points here and there. And I can change that a bit later. So let's put that in this for the spreadsheet and see how we go. So I'm up to 523 points already. So I've got most of my force. I've got 26 models. So I've got a really good core here. So now I need some decoration. I want some speed. So not the drug, just the... <laughs> so I'm going to go for a basic orc captain and some wild riders. And I probably won't get very many of them. So I'm just going to go for a... Where is he there? Orc captain, put him on a wag. I'm going to give him a bow and make him warband number three. So 
that way I can do some maneuvering. I've got some options to put some might into, say, an Aragorn's horse if I want to. And I'm going to back him some Wag riders with bows. But the nice thing about this list is I can actually take trackers on Wags. So they play the same role. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to take my trackers on Wags. It saves me a few points. It means I've got some harassment. I've got some knockdown. And away I go. So I just have to find the trackers on this list here. Uh, they're definitely not in the heroes. Here they are, trackers. Let's put them on Wags. And let's see how many I can get for that. At 11 points a pop, probably a few. Yep. Let's see. Okay, seven I've gone just over, so I need to start doing some points there. Manipulation, I'm on 655, so I'll drop that back down to six, and I will give some extra points. Let's up my Spearman again. So I've got the points left over, so let's change it to, we'll go 50-50, six and six, see what that does for the points. I'm on six 640, that doesn't work. Why did that do that? Okay, I'll go back to... Playing around. Okay, I'm pretty happy with it so far. So what I've got, according to my spreadsheet, is a warband with Gothmog, Lieutenant of Morgul, with Warg and Shield. He's leading 12 Moran and Orcs. Six of them have Spear Shield, and one of them's got a banner as well. And then six of them have just the Shield. Then I've got the Mortar Troll Chieftain, so extra real hitty power, with five Moranans with Spear Shield, and seven Moranans with Shield. So a little bit less Spearman there. I've at Fix that up a bit. And then I've got an orc captain with wag and bow, so I'll convert him up to be a bit of a tracker, maybe give him a cloak to make him stand out over the trackers. And then I've got seven orc trackers on wag, which gives me eight bowmen, so I can shoot something out if I want to. Now, honestly, if I'm shooting, I'm probably looking at killing one horse. But that's, that's a reasonable target. I'm not killing an army with this. But they're harassment forces. I can maneuver people. I can get them in position. And the best thing about them is they get a knockdown. So I can run them around the back of my force and knock people down against my really solid Defense 6 line with Gothmog and the Mortal Troll Chieftain, which I don't really want to face if I'm against that. That's a really tough-looking one. Now, the main thing I haven't done is have a Shaman. I haven't put that in. The The issue with that I have is that, one, I don't plan to use him because I don't plan to to break. I'm going to win my games there. I don't have a banner. Oh, yeah, I do have a banner at the moment, so that's fine. Silmarilla, you need a banner. But the Shaman, some people might take the Shaman and Wag, which could be a good option, but I really want the extra Might. I don't have a lot of Might in Army, even though I've got Gothmog who can copy. The problem is, is most people go into their shell against Gothmog. So I've gone for the support. The Mortal Troll Chieftain is the, we've talked about him before in an episode. I really rate him as a character. He's really good. Um, I'm pretty happy with this list overall. Yeah, that looks really solid. You got, what, nine, eight, eight cavalry? Yeah, eight a cavalry. Monster, a really good block of infantry. And yeah, I, I like it. I think that's a really, really, really good list. Yeah, nothing wrong with it. We talked it, you talked it all out. The, the, all the weaknesses, all the strengths, and what you can do and not do about it. So, yeah. Yeah. 34 two. units all up. So it's good numbers. It's got two and a half warbands, essentially. But it's got the cavalry warband, which has eight models, which we talked about before as being a really solid number because they're not getting in each other's way. The warbands, I've got two that I deploy right in the front and just tempt people for combat, and then I've got the wags go behind them for protection because I don't want them getting charged first turn. They're the, my liability. They've only got defense three, so I need to protect them, but I've got 24 Moran and Orcs to do that, so I'm not too worried about that at all. Mm. Yeah, it's a really solid list. Do we do a good army as well to show what we can do with those? Or well, Yeah, why not? Let's do it. This is fun. <laughs> oh, my God. I've said this I'm building thinking, is fun. I'm <laughs> thinking, since I've done Rohan, and you've done Rohan in the past, Matt. Why don't we get 
Jeremy to do a Rohan. Are you saying Jeremy hasn't done Rohan? No, I'm saying uh, let's critique his Rohan list. All right, very good. I see a trap coming. Go for it, you guys. <laughs> Go for it. All right. All cab all the time. What maybe. do you think? Knight of the Pelennor? I don't think we give him a hero. I think we just say Rohan, just and, Rohan. See, and see what he comes up with. Perfect. Oh, you meanies. <laughs> you meanies. Do you want me to go a standard all-comers list, or do you want me to go something a bit wacky? Up to you. Up to you. Okay, I'm going to go a bit of a standard list. Okay, firstly, I'm going to... Look, I'm going to do the one that everyone wants to do. I'm going to theme it around Urkenbrand and Grimbold, because I'm doing the Fords of Eisen scenario. I know that people love Urkenbrand. I'm going to put him in, because I think people would would tell me off if I don't. Now, Urkenbrand's going to be my hardest ranking character, so I'm going to put him in as as my leader. So he's going to have a horse. Are you going to have um, Thaedrid in there? Are you going to have the first Forza of Isengard or the second Forza of Isengard? Okay, change that. Thaedrid's the the leader. (laughs) (laughs) Where's Grimbold? I I haven't ticked him yet. (laughs) So, okay, so I'm going to go Thaedrid as my leader on horse. Oh, he's got some good options here. Bow, shield, and throwing spears. Let's give him... Well, he has expert rider, so why not all of the above? Well, he's going to have a shield because he's going to be in the thick of it. He's going to have a bow. Yeah, give him throwing spears. Why not? Let's give him everything. Gives him 95 points. Now, that means I've put a lot into him, but he's got all the ability there. Then I've got Urkenbrand on horse, just with horse. That's all he's got there. 75 points. What a bargain. That's ridiculous. It really is. Okay, I'm going to add another 20 points to him because that's what he probably should cost. <laughs> Because that is really, that's, that's, oh, I feel dirty already. And I'm going to go Grimbold. So Grimbold, so theme list, three heroes that go together. This is incredibly powerful already. And I've only spent 225 points. So I've got three nice heroes already going. 400 points to play with. Yeah, lots of points to play with. Okay, first thing I'm going to do is bulk out Grimbold's Warband. Because I I would want to have, he's got special rule where he can have Helmingers. Uh, So I'm going to bulk out a whole Warband of Helmingers with the Strength 4. Now, the way I set them up is going to be... A challenge. I think I'm going to give about half of them throwing spear and half of them not. My argument here is that you can't get all the throwing spears to work at the same time, and they're quite expensive. So I'm going to give. I'm going to start with six and six. So let's give six throwing spears for Grimbold and six normal guys. And these ones, I usually like to use like uh, historic models to convert. So Vikings and things work really well. Give them the Rohan shield. Give them a throwing weapon. I'm really happy with that. That takes me up to three thirty three. Then I'm going to give some horsemen to Theodred and to Urkenbrand. Now, Theodred, I'm going to give him some outriders because that, from a theme point of view, tends to work for me. So he's got that to start with. I'm going to give him four outriders. Now, I'm actually going to give my outriders a horse because they're outriders, not outwalkers. But the, <laughs> they're That's not, cute. From, a, from a game really point cute. of view, they're not a huge advantage over anything. I just like them for the theme point of view. I think they've got one plus shoot value for one minus defense or something like that. Plus they got, they can see models from really far away and get their stand fast, the stand fast, which with Urken brand is going to be great for objective captures. So that's the first choice there. I'm going to give Urken brand some, a handful of red shields. I'm not going to give him all red shields, but that's his upgrade. So I'm going to make use of that. So let's give him say four red shields with throwing spear to start with. So Westfold Red Shields, four of them for Urkenbrand. That takes me up to 449. Now, Thadra needs a banner bearer. So let's give him probably a couple Royal, Royal Guard. Guard and a couple Riders of Rohan. I like the Royal Guard banner bearer. He's powerful enough to give that. So let's give a Royal Guard banner bearer. The main advantage of that is he's got the bodyguard, so he's never going to run away if I need to. 
He's got the extra defensive I need to. He can pass it on. So we'll give him a Royal Guard with horse. I'm not going to give throwing spears on the banner because I don't want to put that in range. And I'm going to go three other Royal Guard because that's enough from my point of view. So let's go three Royal Guard. Let's give him the throwing spears because they can actually afford to get out in front. Uh, oops, I'm not going to give him the banner. So let's go three there. So I'm up to 544 and I've got eight guys in Thadred's Warband. Now, Urkenbrand can have some more riders. These are just going to be basic riders, straight out basic. They're great value at 13 points. I want to have a bunch of these in my force. So let's give him four of those and see how we go. Takes me to 596. Let's give him another four. Takes me to 648. I'm actually pretty happy with that. Um, at the moment, my balance is a little bit off. I've got eight models in Thadrian's Warband and 12 in Urkenbrand's. So I'm going to move two of the riders over. So let's go down to six in Urkenbrand and put two into Thadrian's, giving me 10 each. And I've got two points left over. Let's go to the Helminger Warband and give them one extra throwing spear. So five without, seven with. And that gives me 650 points all up, 35 units. My final list is as follows. Thadred, heir of Rohan, with horse, bow, shield, throwing spears. He can do everything, and he's going to. He can avoid, he can go in. The throwing spears are mainly for the combat charge. The bow's mainly for the avoidance, the light cav force. He's got two basic riders of Rohan, four outriders, one Royal Guard with Horse and Banner, and then three Royal Guard with Throwing Spears and Horse. So he's got a bit of a mixture there. A total of four Throwing Spears in that Warband, so they've got a little bit of hitting power, the Throwing Spears, but I'm actually picturing them as a bit of an avoidance force as much as anything. Then I've got Urkenbrand with six Riders of Rohan and four Westfold Red Shields with Throwing Spears. So the extra Fight Force handy there. I don't think I need that on everyone. So I've put it on just a few of them for my advantage there. Then I've got Grimbold of Grimslade, who has seven Helmingers with Throwing Spears and Shield, and five Helmingers with Shield. So I've got a nice objective capturing infantry force. They can shield if I need the extra attacks. I can throw the banner behind them with the cavalry if I need to really be defensive. They've got Strength 4, so they can hit as hard as they take back, and that really helps me out. I'll consider giving a bunch of them axes, because that can really give me hitting power. That's my monster-killing ability. So Grimbold can go into a monster with some of the Grim, the Helmingers, Plus two courage, all axes, they can rip apart monsters. Yeah, Grimbow with a piercing strike, two handed axe. Yeah, Ouch. Could definitely hurt. Yeah. So lots of axes in that warband. I'm probably going to go 50 50 on the weapons and the rest of them. So I'm not going to do anything outlandish. My Royal Guard have probably got swords on them already. They've got the throwing spears. I'm probably going to give a mixture of axes and, and uh, my Riders of Rohan, some of them will have swords for the fainting. Some of them, I'll probably, the Westfall Red Shields already have. They have throwing spears. They already have the fight four. They'll probably, I'll get rid of the scabbard and maybe put an axe on some of them, but I'm not too worried about that, to be honest, because the hitting power of Rohan is in their charging, not so much their piercing, and I want to maintain my my defense five across the board because I, I think that's a really good number for defense. It means you can stand up to the Urukai list pretty well. You can stand up to most things. So I'm happy with that list. Yeah, I think for me the most interesting thing is how similar that, that turned out to my previous Silmarilli list, the only difference being uh, Grimbold traded for Eowyn in my list, and the Helmingers traded for just more riders. I really like the Helmingers on foot with the Grimbold. Because, it's a very nice addition. Yeah, Because yeah. you can do the the sit back with the throwing spears, and you got seven in there, so yeah, that's really, really nice. I like it. I think you've done Rohan justice. Oh, thank you. I was a bit worried about that because I was ready to be ripped apart. and I didn't want to do the all-cav because I know that's the most common way of playing it now, and it works really well. But I wanted to include some infantry. I wanted to include a theme. 
I've included Urkenbrand because I know that he is probably one of the most popular Rohan heroes, so I can see why you'll take him, especially if you're going to a tournament. But I wanted to theme the list around those models, and I really like the choice of heroes. I think your thing's spot on, because Urkenbrand was the one that saved Theodred, I'm pretty sure, in the book. Well, I know Grimbold and Theodred were definitely there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is a Forge of Eyes, and the first Forge of Eyes and theme, so... I like it. Yeah, it, it works from a theme point of view. People look at it and go, oh my god, Rohan, that's scary. And it is scary. But I don't think it's been, like, there's no, no Aeol the Young in there, and there's no Sons of AML, Knight of the Palinor that just happens to be fighting the Ford of Ice, and it's, it's themed around that. Gee, Rohan's turned around from a few years back. I remember when they were the worst. They were always all. good. It's just people didn't know how to use Light Cavalry. That's right. <laughs> well, thanks for joining me. I think we've just about covered everything there, so thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Kylie. And remember, everyone, Traps Win Games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on the Green Dragon Podcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.